0: This is the Stuck Mike Avcast, an aviation podcast about learning to fly, living to fly, and loving to fly.
1: Episode 103, a fascinating interview with pilot Jessica Cox, along with Nick Spark, who produced the documentary Right Footed, the true story of Jessica's inspirational life. It's a great one, coming up now on this edition of the Stuck Mike Avcast.
0: Now here are your co-hosts, Victoria Zyko, Sean Moody, Eric Crump, Rick Felty. And Carl Valeri.
1: Hey, everybody, and welcome to another exciting, jam packed, exciting episode of Stuck Mike Avcast. And no, this is not the voice you're used to hearing at the beginning. Uh, Carl Valeri, our fearless leader, is uh, on a secret mission no actually he's just on his regular everyday working hard mission flying above this continent no doubt and um and he wanted us to go ahead and record this episode because we have an opportunity to talk to some some really special guests and uh so we are at with his permission moving on with without him for tonight and also uh because of scheduling we are without eric crump um and sean and larry but we have uh, one of our newer members uh, of the team who joined us on the last episode. We we first had him on last time, Tom Frick. Welcome, Tom. Hi, Rick. Good evening. Uh, where are you Where are you tonight, Tom? Florida. Sunny Florida. Dark Florida. Yeah, I'm
2: in central west coast of Florida, right off of uh, Tampa Bay. Awesome.
1: Uh, everything good there?
2: It is. It's finally wow. stopped raining. We had 21 days straight, and it's finally sunny again. Wow.
1: Nice. Well, Nice. you get the tourists heading back. That's cool. Um, and also... Uh, one of our uh, other stalwarts and someone who's uh, been part of the team for a long time, Victoria Zyko. Uh, Welcome to you.
3: Hello. I still say I was tricked to be involved in this whole podcast, (laughs) but I'm very glad I was tricked and happy to be here today.
1: I I remember that story, but you were tricked, but it stuck.
3: It did. Um, (laughs) What what,
1: I have to do this more than once, I think was your question. Yeah. Uh, (laughs) Um, we're we're gonna get right into this. We don't uh, that we don't really have any announcements uh, this week, but we like I said we do have some special guests, and this sort of follows on the heels of last week's show, which was um, about coming out coming off uh, off of Oshkosh, and uh, a couple couple of folks on the show were able to get there this year, and by all accounts, oh, an amazing show this year. Everybody just was raving about the you know every bit of it, all sorts of you know connections and the the the, the air show and the, the exhibits, the whole thing, but. The guests we have tonight, these sort of very special guests, came to us via that show and a rendezvous they had with Victoria. So I'm going to let her do the honors and introduce our guests, and uh, we'll uh, get to hear from them.
0: Victoria? Now entering cruise flight.
3: Thank you. Um, So pretty much what happened is Oshkosh was a very busy, crazy week for me, but I managed to get away from the booth for about half a day, and there was one place I wanted to go and one movie I wanted to see. This movie I was so curious about, and when I went in, the only bad thing about this was I was in the very front row of the theater in the EAA Museum, and my neck hurt afterwards. Only bad thing I can say about it. The documentary blew me away. I actually teared up at some moments, I laughed, and most of all, I was inspired by what I saw. So without further ado, I'd like to introduce to you Jessica Cox, and Nick Sparks of the Right-Footed Documentary. Welcome, guys. Thank you for having us.
4: Pleased to be here.
3: Let's get right into it. Um, Jessica, for our listeners who may not know about you, tell us what makes you stand out compared to most pilots. Well, um, aside from being a pilot,
5: I have a black belt in taekwondo. I graduated from college. I drive a car. I do everything that you think most people would do at 32 years old but I do this all without any arms because I was born without arms and it's not a genetic defect or or something that was passed on rather it was one of these fluke things that happens and my parents made a very important decision early on that they wanted to give me every opportunity out there and fortunately uh, through their support and the support of my community that I grew up in I learned how to use my feet like other people use their hands and, and now have Uh, I'm a surfer, scuba diver, and what most people know me as the armless pilot.
3: Now, Nick, um, this is not your first aviation-related documentary. Uh, How did you get introduced to aviation, and how did you get in touch with Jessica?
4: Well, I've been a lifelong enthusiast of aviation, and I actually made a documentary film called The Legend of Poncho Barnes, which is about a rival of Amelia Earhart's uh florence poncho barnes and that film was very successful and i um was asked to watch a lot of other aviation films in process and one of the films i was asked to see in in rough form featured a lot of pilots talking about their exploits in the sky and why they learned to fly and um you know i remember in the middle of that film there was one person who stuck out, and that was Jessica, <laughs> for all sorts of reasons. But of course, the fact that she was talking about flying and it was obvious that she had no arms um, was pretty mind blowing to me at the time. And I just became fascinated by her story and um, and sought her out. And and you know, I I actually at the time I had no intention of making a movie with her per se, but um, it ended up. Happening, and um, three years later, I can say it was an amazing journey.
1: Wow! Um, yeah, I definitely want to hear more about <clears throat> about the, the the movie and the pro- that process and and all that. But I I think we I could maybe jump back a little bit because I remember first I think I saw AOPA articles Jessica about you as uh, where maybe I first became aware of you maybe some some web stuff. Um, but but one of the questions we always ask people and and it's, it's sort of a valid question, no matter who you are, is, but I'm interested to, given your, given your path through life, is how you got into aviation, you know, what, what happened that got you there?
5: I love when people ask me that question, because flying was my greatest fear. And going up on a commercial flight as a kid, I was just terrified. But this opportunity to go up on my first flight, in a single engine airplane came about through a nonprofit called Wright Flight. And a fighter pilot who started this nonprofit, he came up to me after I spoke at a Rotary club and he asked, "How would you like to go up in a small airplane?" And I just had no interest. I'd never been up in a small single engine airplane my entire life, but my dad was with me and he was an aviation enthusiast. He jumped right in and said, "She would love to." And at that point I was committed and I I went up on my first flight. I was hooked and even though I was afraid of it initially and all the way up until takeoff, but once that feeling of having my right foot on the yoke, once Mm. I was able to process that and how different it is to be behind the controls, I made a commitment that I wanted to become a pilot.
1: Wow. Now what, at that point, so how old are you when that's happening?
5: I was 21 on my first mm-hmm. flight in a single engine airplane.
1: Wow. And I so 21, you've by then you probably had I'm guessing because I haven't seen the documentary and I haven't read your your story in detail, but you probably had some other successes where you had done things that maybe others might think you couldn't do. And so th- this was another of those. But I'm I my guess is you had some successes prior to this with being into being in the world being being in the world very normally is that is that true
5: yes yes it was definitely a build-up of all the previous challenges to get to the point of flying an airplane and naturally i learned how to do things with my feet throughout all the stages of childhood and into college Mm -hmm. writing down notes doing all the ordinary things to be able to have the dexterity in my feet and my legs to control the airplane in a safe manner
1: right um, yeah, I, uh, and, and you know, Nick, when you, so when you met Jessica and you started at some point imagining, hey, you know, there might be something here we could, we could work on together. I assume some of that, some of, some of the background of getting her to that point is, is, is what interested you or, and is that story, you know, part of the story for you?
4: Well, I, 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 let me tell you something interesting about yeah. this is that, um, you know the story of Jessica learning to fly a plane is an amazing story, and it's certainly a big part of our film. But actually, the reason I decided to work with her had not that much to do with that. Huh. I I actually, although I was you know stunned at that accomplishment that she had made, but what really. Um, made me want to make this film was that i I ended up meeting up with Jessica in Pasadena because uh, I had sent her an email asking uh, you know if I could meet her because i I just admired her and and wanted to meet her and um, she said you know i'm I'm actually getting married and I'm coming out to Los Angeles to tour the church where I'm going to get married in a few months time and mm-hmm. that would be a great opportunity to meet and um, and I went out and and sat down with her and her fiance Patrick, and, um, you know, was very taken with her because she, <laughs> when you meet her, I mean, she just does everything so naturally. You know, she was sitting at a table drinking from a cup of tea um, held with her. Her foot was holding the handle of the mug. And um, I think she had opened the door for me with her foot. And, <laughs> you know, it was just really something to to talk to her But I didn't really believe um, that there was anything more maybe than just a short film uh, to be made with her, which I I kind of felt had already been made. A lot of those people had told the story of how she learned to fly. Uh um, She'd been on a lot of television. But what intrigued me was she started talking about how she was getting married. And unlike most of the um, people I've met who are in that position who want to talk to you about their dress and the venue and... (laughs) <laughs> the, the gift list and, um, oh, all those yeah. really wonderful things. That was not her focus. She started telling me about three little girls who she'd been mentoring who had all been born with limb differences, hmm. and meaning they either didn't have arms or they had maybe partial limbs, and that um, she had made it a point that they needed to come to this wedding and be there to witness... Um, her getting married because it would affect them. It would have an effect on their psyche and that she told me that if she had had an example like that in her life, it would have been very transformative to her because she did not imagine at an earlier age that she could um, pursue a relationship like this. And that just touched me. And when I heard that story, I said, I don't know what how did how we're going to do this i don't have any money to do this but i swear we're going to film this wedding and that is actually (laughs) where this all started for me really so aviation of course that was part of it that was my entree to jessica but um the, the the story I just related is the reason I actually became passionate about that, this.
1: That's a great story. I, that, that, I get it. I totally get it. You, you, not only is it a good story, you, you you told it well. So, um, Victoria, I think you, you had a question.
3: Yeah, actually, I'm, I'm glad Nick brought that up because that was one of my favorite scenes in the movie, just how these girls looked up to Jessica and realized, you know, um, they might have not felt a part of a group their whole life, you know, they might have felt left out because of their differences. And watching this documentary, I noticed Jessica just is so a part of everything that she um, encounters. She's she's a family member to aviation. She's a family member to these girls. And it's not it wasn't an easy feat all the things you've accomplished at all. But you you took it with such stride and such focus. Um, what? gave you that drive to be a mentor for these girls and to take on these accomplishments like becoming a pilot?
5: Well for me there's really no greater feeling than to know I've given some form of hope or inspiration in a way that I would have loved to have received it as a child or as a teenager because it is very difficult to be different and I didn't meet anyone who was similar to me until in my teen years And it was just always difficult, I always wondered, you know, is there anyone else out there like me or, um, you know, I had all these questions about how would I uh, get married and have children, is that part of my future? And all of a sudden, I was watching a TV piece about a woman, she didn't have arms, and watching this piece in those couple minutes, it just transformed my life in a way they just reassured me that I could do anything I wanted to do. If I wanted to have a family, if I wanted to get married, all these things were very possible. And I wanted to be that same difference for children who, like me, grew up or grow up feeling different.
1: I also think it's pretty, pretty poetic and beautiful that the inclusion in a personal day of yours, you know, one could imagine people thinking, uh, oh, I can, I can be in this environment. I can teach, or I can make appearances. But, but to to have the presence, to say, come to my thing because you need to see this, or I want you there because it. I know how much it'll matter. I mean, it, it's it's a pretty pretty powerful thought and idea. And it actually, if you take that and extend that to every everything else in the world, things would be a lot better if we all did that. You know, in some form or another. That's just my little aside.
3: Uh, for sure. that's. She doesn't stop there either. Um, the documentary actually touches on another young child. I Forgive me, I forget what country were you were in, but he had never seen a small plane before and you went for the ride in the plane. Ethiopia, yes. yes. Ethiopia. Can you tell us a little more about your work over there and um, about that flight? Yes, I'm a Goodwill ambassador.
5: My husband Patrick and I are Goodwill ambassadors for Handicap International and they invited us out to Ethiopia to witness and be a part of some of their inclusive education efforts and I uh, for the first time um, well Patrick and I we flew there to Ethiopia and we visited different schools and while we were there uh, Handicap International met and heard about a family who had a little boy he was eight years old and he didn't have arms and this little boy is was part of a remote area of Ethiopia and he'd never even seen a car before. So they pulled him out of this remote village, uh, put him in a car. He was riding the car for the first time and he came out to the airport and he watched me take off in an airplane. And it was just incredible to see this transformation for this little boy. His name is Tariku and his mother uh, who was there with him. By the end of it, Tariku wanted to become a pilot too and just to be able to open his eyes to the possibility and that's what we were there for in Ethiopia. We were opening many of the eyes of people who don't think that people with disabilities can aspire to much and we were hoping to break that barrier to, to, to bring home the fact that if people with disabilities are given opportunities, if they're included in education, then they can also be successful and do many other things.
1: I was going to, on the heels of that, just ask, um, just a question that came to mind is, I know there's some universal qualities to what you're describing and showing people opportunities, um, but are are, are there differences around the world? Is this something that is in any way um, based on location? You know, are there like you went to Ethiopia? Were there particular things there that were more? Challenging, or things you saw that you need to change more, or is this more? Is this a universal truth that we that we need to do?
5: Uh, they're definitely in developing countries. Uh, it's more of a challenge. I've I've had the opportunity to go to twenty different countries, so I've been able to see how stigma still exists in developing countries, and they need to be changed, or at least uh, um, efforts need to be made to help uh, educate and bring awareness. Uh, especially important in some countries more so than others. I think Uh, one of the other women uh, that I met on my trip to Kenya, I'm sorry, to Ghana, she was born without arms, but when she was born, her community said that she, that her mother should drop her off, abandon her in the wilderness, and she was also born without arms. But because her mother made the decision to raise Louisa in hiding, She's now a teacher and she's educating Mm. little younger, you know, generations on on it's okay to be different and you can be successful, but Mm. she, unfortunately, that stigma still exists in other parts of the world and that's what was wonderful about this documentary is being able to bring the whole film crew with Nick there to bring light to the uh, truth of people with disabilities and that's what many people have said after they've seen this documentary during our premiere is that mm-hmm. they weren't even aware that this is still a challenge. This is still happening all over the world.
1: Hmm. Wow.
4: Uh, and I think this is the, the reason if I could jump in that yeah. that yeah. Jessica was so committed to making a film is that she'd had this experience before meeting me of of traveling in the developing world and just feeling so frustrated that there is such a um you know problem of perception with people with disabilities because really in a country like Ethiopia which is the poorest country in Africa if you're born with a disability you you're you're going to end up as a beggar essentially you will not have the right to go to school mm. and you know your family will even be have the perception from the community that maybe they have done something terrible to deserve um, having a child with a disability. And Handicap International has been working to open schools in Ethiopia, and and, and that's one of the reasons Jessica went there. But one can imagine um, Jessica showing up in Addis Ababa, the capital, and hopping into an airplane and flying over the capital as she did, What mm. what the effect would be on... That society, because every radio and TV station was there to document this, and I think that it really floored people. It absolutely Hmm. challenged their perception, um, and that's the reason to make a film. And we 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 were committed right from the start that um, we would try and get the film seen around the world if we can because of this uh, perception issue. And Je- Jessica's been doing far more than just that. I mean, she's working on something that I'm sure she'll tell you all about, the CRPD, which is a major international treaty to advance the rights of people with disability. Hmm.
1: Well, let's, go, let's talk about yeah, that. Yeah, let's hear go, about that. <laughs> yeah, go for it.
5: Well, the disability treaty, international disability treaty, It's uh, it actually... we brought it up and we were trying to ratify it and, and lobby towards having this ratified in the United States and unfortunately it it did not get ratified we spoke with a number of senators and it was my first time lobbying so it was an experience just in just in doing uh, this advocacy because I'm not an I, I didn't have an experience because what advocacy It's something that I didn't even think about it never dawned on me as a possibility but clearly, after seeing all that exists around the world with people, uh, what they face if, if you're born with a disability, I felt like I wanted to do something about it. And fortunately, Handicap International allowed us to um, help support us in, in reaching out to senators and telling them about all these stories, about Louisa, about Tariku, and how important it is to be a leader with disability advocacy and take on this disability treaty so that other people in other countries around the world can see that we've made this priority to get this passed and ratified and therefore that they should take this and and treat it very seriously so we are working very hard towards this treaty and you'll see that uh... for anyone who does watch the documentary it follows us it fo- the the film crew followed us to uh... capitol hill where we talked to many of the senators and and met uh... during one of the hearings, and it's pretty incredible. I mean, mm-hmm. it, it was frustrating, and I think a lot of people come away after watching the film and say, you know, what can we do? Can we? What can we do to to bring this disability treaty back up and 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 make sure that it gets ratified? Mm-hmm. It really creates a certain uh, passion in people once they see it and see that it hasn't, you know, f- for just uh, some. I mean, Nick can tell you more about how some of these reasons for not ratifying the treaty are pretty frivolous. Yeah, I'm sure. And, uh, they don't make any sense considering how important this could be for so many people, so many lives around the world.
1: Yeah, Nick. So Nick, in this, so in the dynamic, I can imagine you're documenting all this, but also, you know, getting pa- passionate about it as well, or 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 feeling a connection. Is that is that a tricky line to walk, or is it is it the only way to do it?
4: Well, I have to say, I mean, so much of this project kind of unfolded in front of my eyes. It was nothing I imagined. And I I couldn't have imagined, I think, when I said, I would like to film your wedding, Jessica, that I would end (laughs) up traveling to uh, two different continents and, I don't know, five or six states and the the halls of the U.S. Senate following jessica for two years with her with her husband um and um you know i i try to be a little bit uh, dispassionate as a filmmaker because i'm there to really record what's happening and not to interject myself into it right um at the same time there are moments when one can't help but sort of be touched by what you're seeing, and I would say that um you know it can it can it can be difficult, yeah, and uh there are a lot of choices one makes um trying to tell Jessica's story, right, but I was just lucky to work with somebody, Jessica and her husband, who were just so generous in terms of giving me access and being forthcoming and and it really is Jessica's film in the sense that it's narrated by her. Uh, entirely I mean there's no there's no other voice really um, her and her husband really are you know it's their story and and that's um you know from my perspective a gift
1: uh, you know I, I I work a bit I have worked in media my life but not not documentary work but I, I can imagine that this is maybe pretty this, this is certainly a way to go about it but what it seems like happened here or what tends to happen to to good documentaries I think and you can correct me if I'm wrong is that you sort of want to document and let the story find you, kind of, or figure out what wants to be told here. And that this seems like this is what happened. That that as you, you know, one might have imagined a documentary about, you know, a woman with no arms who who can fly planes, but that you started in a different direction uh, for other reasons, and it became something else completely, which is pretty cool.
4: Well, there's there's an Alfred Hitchcock quote. He said that in a feature film. The director is God and in a documentary film God is the director (laughs) that's perfect and and, yeah and that's really true because countless times in the course of making this movie something would happen that would just utterly kind of change our direction or what we were doing and I mean the the story that I tell a lot of people is that uh, at one point I really felt we were finished filming Mm -hmm. and I was ready to start the editing process and yeah, a big story in the film is jessica's relationship wonderful relationship with her mother and her mother is from the philippines and mm-hmm. uh... from the Leyte region and you know just about this time that we were kind of wrapping up um... a gigantic typhoon in fact the most powerful typhoon in the history of the world essentially uh... hit her mother's hometown and mm. Within 48 hours of that, essentially, there was discussions that, you know, in the aftermath of this storm, would, would it be important for Jessica to go as an, a representative of a Handicap International to the disaster zone to um, meet with people with disabilities and buck up their spirits? And that was where my plan for editing <laughs> went right out the window. Right. Um, and... And... Uh, you know, I am I mean, it was a terrible tragedy, but I'm grateful that that happened because it added another dimension of the film that would not have existed. Yeah, yeah. So.
1: Victoria, I, I think you had a question.
3: Yeah, you talk about the the film taking so many different twists and turns, but it doesn't feel like that when you're watching it because you're just kind of drawn into it. And it, it, it is very smooth, and it, it portrays a lot of passion. And I've noticed... Um, when I was waiting in line before the, we could walk into the movie and when I was waiting after to talk to Jessica, that everyone came with this passion um, just by knowing her and being around her and hearing the story. And I was kind of curious, since we are talking mostly to an aviation audience and you were just at the biggest um, aviation show in the world, how many um, people inspired you that came up to you during the Oshkosh premiere of Right Footed.
5: I'm, I'm glad you asked that question, because one of the little girls who I met for the first time, her and her mom came in from Minnesota, and they drove six hours uh, to be there to meet me, because Ari, Ruth, uh, that's short for Ruth Evelyn, she was born without arms, and she was three, and right about that time, before meeting me her mom said she would tell her mom I want arms I want arms and so her mother felt it was very important to drive the six hours to come and meet me and uh, we spent some time together after the screening where I got to bring her to the airplane and show her how I fly the airplane and talk to her a little bit and she just really was uh, once again a reminder and uh, such a rewarding experience for me to realize that I could uh this effect that can inspire this little three year old who at one point in time would say that she wanted arms and after our hour or two together she went home uh and and her mom said that she said she didn't need any ar- she didn't need arms and she was happy the way she was. And that was so inspiring to be able to be a part of that. And that wasn't even Necessarily an intention, but it it happened, and it was part of the screening. And because of the documentary Right Footed, we were able to come together, and it just
3: made an unforgettable experience for her and for me. That's beautiful. I'm so glad she got to have that experience, surrounded by aviation, and meet someone that could, you know, help her go forward in life and realize she's not that different. She's just like everyone else. So that's really, really amazing to hear.
4: You know that moment, by the way, um, Jessica's being modest here because what happened at our screening it, this girl and her mother showed up you know we had no idea they were going to come, and Jessica kind of dropped everything at our screening and I didn't blame her for a second, but there we were in the middle of our u s premiere essentially, and she dropped everything to work with this girl on the floor of the uh experimental aviation association museum she was showing her how to tie a shoe and um and it was it was a great moment and i actually i snapped a couple of pictures of them um and one of them was an embrace between the two of them and this that's photoc- the picture
3: have been seen everywhere
4: yeah this photograph oh my- has gone viral i mean it it has been from one end of the internet to the other, and one end of the earth to the other, and it's been on the CBS Evening News, and today the Today Show's website, and Upworthy, and I, it's just been amazing, because um, it was just a totally unexpected thing, we were talking about unexpected things that happened at our premiere, and it just, it epitomizes the work that Jessica does, and it was... It was an astonishing moment that we got to share with the world, which is what we would hope to do with our movie. But I would also say, you know, Victoria, the other part of your question about the people that came to be inspired or were inspired, I just, I have to tell you, there were a lot of pilots, and these are some some tough people. Um, you know, Chuck Aaron, the Red Bull helicopter pilot, met Jessica, and he was in awe of her, and that was... You know, I could see it in his eyes, and and the Pembertons were there, um, and uh, the the stunt pilots, and 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 all these people, even Bob Hoover, the you know, kind of the godfather of aviation at this point, um, said that he had been tracking avi- uh, Jessica's career in aviation, and he was just astonished by her.
3: I think we all kind of were. You know, I really left the documentary. Thinking, there are two words that I should never ever say again, and I know Jessica talks about those a lot, and she talked about it in the documentary. How about you tell me what those two words are?
5: I I say the two words I've eliminated from my vocabulary are "I can't," because the moment we say those words, we limit what we can do. Uh, we start to believe that we can't do it, and if we can eliminate that, we'll have a lot. We'll be a lot better off. And we'll be able to create possibilities out of impossibilities. And I spend a lot of time speaking and sharing that message because uh, the first thing I ask when I get on stage is, when was the last time you said I can't? And everyone thinks about it and they think, oh, I said it today or yesterday. And it's just used too often and it limits what we can do. And I think that's wonderful that that was the takeaway. I think, thank you for sharing that. And uh, just wonderful that you were able to take that away from the documentary.
1: Very, it, yeah, very cool. And I actually just looked up that picture you, you referenced, uh, Nick, and it's, it's wonderful. And
3: yeah, um, just pull up ABC news. It's like front page. Yeah, and we'll, we'll put that,
1: touching. we'll put that on the post. I and mean, we'll put a lot of links uh, in the post, uh, when the show posts to the, the stuck My Avcast website, um, Jessica, I, some, Probably people know that since it's an aviation podcast, we are touching on that a little bit. Um, I guess I I have questions that I think I had read the answers to generally, but um, in terms of this, back to flying, just for a moment, and your own flying and your ability to, to do this. Um, I assume uh, pe- you know people listening might wonder uh, what you know in what way what facilitates your ability to operate a plane, uh, what what changes are, are in place um, technology-wise that that uh, facilitates uh, your flying and or did that evolve throughout your training? So you know, did it start one yes. way? And did, yeah, did certain things come on board? And you go, oh, cool, now I've got this. Is there any way you can kind of give us a summary of... Uh, yes,
5: of- It it started off in that Cessna airplane on that first flight in a single-engine airplane. And we realized that the Cessna with the need for... Uh, controlling with all four limbs would not be suitable for me, so the first step was to find the right airplane, and that's when the air coop was brought up. Hmm. And the air coop is unique that it does not have rudder pedals; it's cross-controlled, uh, uh, all in the yoke. The rudder pedals are the rudders are interconnected with the ailerons, so there is no need for hmm. pedals. You just use your hand on the yoke. For most pilots and another hand on the throttle, but for me, it's right foot on the yoke, left foot on the throttle, and the reason I'm crisscrossed like that as opposed to having my left foot on the yoke, Mm -hmm. my right foot on the throttle is because there is limited space in the AirCoop, and you cannot move the seat back any further. Ah. So, because it's locked in place, I have to cross my legs in order to have enough leverage. And because of this AirCoop airplane, which is a 1945 post-World War II a uh, 415c model air it is the reason that i'm able to fly without any special modifications uh no special controls and as a light sport pilot
1: ah cool can i can i ask you about that moment where you so you first got to your first air and you got to get in one it was mm-hmm. a pretty was it pretty quickly evident how you would manage uh, how you would manage the controls was that was <laughs> it, oh. I think that, that's okay. <laughs> like that, that, that ladies dog. and gentlemen, is Turbo the Flying Dog. Uh. And uh, who has...
3: <laughs> I will mute. <laughs> who,
1: who has awakened and she will mute. But anyway, back to the question. Was it pretty quickly evident how it worked okay. for you? Was it, was it like, you know, oh, yes. I know how this will work.
3: Well, the
5: AirCoop was designed to be flown like you drive a car. So hmm. because I had that experience driving a car for many years, I was 21 when I found the first AirCoop. I made this connection right away. Cool. This is how I'll learn how to fly because right. it was very much designed similar to driving a vehicle. Yes.
1: Right. Cool. And, you know, and the other, qu- the questions that, that I always ask people I meet who fly is, you know, about your training. What was the hardest part or what did you like the most? You know, the extremes of, uh, of the process.
5: I always share the story when I first started flying my first day of flight training the most difficult thing for me was buckling myself into the four-point harness and how I had to figure that out. Uh. But I did it in a way, I, I, I say, think outside the shoe, and that's exactly how I buckled up the harness. I fastened the harness first, then loosened up the straps, and I stood on the seat and slid my body into the harness, and then I tightened it. Wow. And that was the way I started out flight training, and another... Obstacle or challenge was landing safely, um, right. being able to have enough leverage, and develop developing that core that I needed to be able to um, pull back on the yoke and flare. Hmm. And that was a challenge because I have both feet up, one foot's on the throttle, one foot's on the yoke. And with that positioning, you don't have as much leverage as well as it is somewhat awkward. Hmm. And because of that, it, it was a little more challenging for me to learn the landing right. uh, successfully.
1: Wow. That that that's great. I mean that's very interesting to hear because we all have, you know, we 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 all have our particular areas that are challenging, but to hear you speak of the, you know, the, what the physical nature of what you had to do to make you know something that's complicated anyway. <laughs> work for you is fascinating to listen to. Um,
3: Besides the physical nature of flying, did you experience any issues with perhaps flight instructors or other yeah. people thinking this is not something you should be doing? The craziest part
5: about all that is,
3: I didn't experience much much of that. I think uh,
5: my my flight instructor who took me through to solo and to uh, certification which he was one of, of three uh, because we had these ongoing challenges over the course of three years, three different air coupes, three different states, flight training in all three states, and finally figuring out the right air coupe. Um, The other challenge being the, the height of the throttle. It had to be low enough on the control panel for me to safely re- reach it. But when I first approached these instructors, I... Uh, Tray Week who took me through to solo and certification, when I went up to him, my phone rang in my purse. I grabbed my phone out with my foot and I pressed the um, button to answer the phone and I brought it up to my shoulder and held it between my chin and shoulder. And that demonstration (laughs) unintentionally uh, convinced him that I could handle flying an airplane.
1: That's cool. Um, How was the check ride? that no, i mean uh, that's always a, a big deal but oh my goodness
5: <laughs> the check ride was quite the event i i must say i had a support from all over of all my in- instructors and everyone came to the airport that day that's unforgettable um, and the uh the the instructor who came in at the faa certified um uh, to give me my cert my check ride he came in and he, he said, well, if you can fly an airplane with your nose, you can fly an airplane. If you can show me how you fly this airplane with your feet, I have no reason not to give you hmm. uh, a certificate. And, and of course, as a sport pilot, my driver's license, hmm. which many people wonder, um, how did I get my medical, I, my driver's license acts as a yes. medical yes. as a sport pilot.
2: Cool. I mean, perfect. So Jessica, how often do you fly?
5: I am supposed to be flying more often. uh, I I actually have a pretty busy schedule, so I don't get to fly as much as I would like and as much as I'd love to fly. It's just the airplane that I fly is based in an airport about an hour away from where I live, so it takes up at least half the day in order to do that. So right now, once I have an airplane, air coop closer in, it would be nice and make it easier to go flying.
2: Yeah. And that would have been my answer too, not enough. (laughs) Um, You know, um, so what what ultimately is your biggest challenge flying? I mean, what was, what is the absolute hardest thing for you to do and, and what's the easiest?
5: Well, I, I think the hardest thing, and because I'm still a new pilot, it's still that, uh, that landing and, and I celebrate every landing in a way. Um, but the easiest thing for me is, is take off uh, another thing, unscrewing the cowling when I do pre-flight, hmm. which I'm not exempt from doing a pre-flight. I have to do that and go through the whole checklist. Um, so I'm always standing on one foot, unscrewing the cowling. And sometimes those screws on, on the air coop are a little more difficult. Yeah. <laughs> so that's, that's some of the difficult uh, tasks for pre-flight. And other than that, I think it's just about yeah. getting more t- more hours.
1: Yep. Which is true of, of a lot of us. Um, let me, <laughs> hey, Nick, can I ask you uh, if we can just shift, shift gears here? Because there's a lot of stuff to cover. But I want to... Sure,
4: could, could I say something about all this? Stuff yeah, yeah, yeah. go <laughs> Before you jump in? No, yeah. Um, because I just, I have to say... It was great to screen our film at at AirVenture because we were among pilots, and they are such a supportive group, and we made our film completely on a non-profit basis through donations, and aviators were some of our biggest supporters, and, I mean, what floors me is just the story you heard from Jessica. I mean, there were people out there who were willing to take a chance on her, who, you know, uh, as yeah. pilots, they said, "I'm going to put her in the cockpit of my plane, and um, and she's going to learn to fly." I have so much respect and admiration for those people, because as we know, Jessica's very, very capable. But they took a leap of faith, and I think we see that throughout the whole aviation community. It's very, very impressive. And you know, there's something really special about Jessica that we haven't touched on really, which is that. You know, Plane and Pilot Magazine named her one of the top 10 pilots in the United States and and possibly the world, I guess, um, last year. And and it wasn't because she's uh, such a terrific pilot. It's it's that she's using aviation in a way that no one else is, and, and maybe nobody really has since the dawn of aviation, which is she's using it to really inspire people and show them what's possible and... When she's in a classroom and kids see her when she's doing her demonstrations, and they recognize that she's a pilot, I think they all think, "Wow, I could be a pilot." And so, she's a a great ambassador for aviation as well.
1: Oh, clearly, it's 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 all it's a great story. Um, I was just going to touch Nick on the on the movie, um, just i I guess i 'm not clear I, I i guess it's coming, and you premiered it, but can can you tell the audience you know our, our listeners more about when you know timeline and where they might be able to what you expect they might be able to see it and or get sure. it or whatever
4: yeah well we we premiered the film at the Two film festival at, at actually at the Vatican, and Jessica um flew around the world to attend that um In the holy city and quite stunningly for all of us we won the best documentary film award at that event
1: congratulations
4: and yeah that was it was terrific and um in any case we are now uh showing the film in selected film festivals across the united states and i think we're we're now up to um as of today i think we're in 11 film festivals and the best way to find out about whether we're coming to a city near you is to visit the website of the film, which is rightfootedmovie.com. And there's a, there's a list there of the festivals that we're in. And just like with Jessica, the sky, the sky is the limit for this film. We, we want it to be seen, and we're going to make sure that beyond the festival circuit that it's available yeah. And I can't say right now yeah. how what form that will take but my last film has been on public television for the last five years and I expect this one will also have a long life because it, it needs to, frankly a lot of people need to see the film and learn about Jessica's story and be inspired by it
1: Yeah, no, I, I have no doubt it, it, I, I can't wait to see it myself uh, Tom, you have a question?
2: Yeah, so I was, I was sitting here thinking, Jessica you have, um, I mean, all of these accomplishments that' you've, you've gotten through I mean to learn to drive and, and to learn to dive and I'm a, I'm a scuba diver as well so I can't even imagine the challenges there um, and, and flying I'm a pilot as well so um, you know all of these things and all of these all this work that you're doing uh, through your movie and through um, helping all of these other people I'm curious you know who do you look up to who, who's your mentor who's somebody that that you look up to that you aspire to be or that that, that you aspire to follow and and, and what motivates you?
5: I have many uh, mentors I mentioned earlier in the interview about um, Barbara who I, I saw a piece on, on TV about her and how seeing her at that age when I was a teenager changed my life in the way that I could see myself getting married and having kids and living on my own and she still inspires me because she's, she's a bodybuilder and stays fit and that's a challenge as you get older and something for me as a speaker and traveling often it it's hard to stay fit and to, to um, exercise and, and do regular workouts and she inspires me in that way to keep pushing for a fit body and to uh, make sure that exercise is part of my daily life and I, right now I still practice Taekwondo She is my mentor and I, I look up to her and There are a number of aviation people out there. I I met a pilot, uh, Scott Cook. He flies an airplane with one hand, one arm, and he inspired me. Um, His friend, Shannon Nil, who is also a pilot, flies with one arm. They they both are amazing pilots and continue to um, fly, and just knowing them has inspired me. I get to share stories with them, and that's always wonderful to have in the aviation world.
2: Awesome. And, and, and the other question that I have is, um, you know, you could probably with all of these accomplishments and everything you've done to this point could probably just sit on your laurels and, and not do anything else and just cruise on from 32 years old on. Uh, but I don't think that's in your blood. So what's next? What, what, what are you aspiring to do?
5: Well, I hope to continue to to help with getting this documentary out. There's it been an exciting year for us, um, with the film festivals and, and traveling uh, everywhere to get this out there. I also, um, I finished a book and getting that out there, uh, speaking, and one of the things we're hoping to do in the spring of next year is, we're potentially, we're planning this right now, is to do a cross-country flight and stop in at different schools along the way to do a motivational and STEM talk for the youth. And we are in the planning stages of that, but that is something where I'm aspiring to accomplish is a cross country
3: flight. Wow! Come on and see us. <laughs> be happy, happy. Turbo, the flying dog, yes. <laughs> obviously is very excited to meet you.
1: <laughs> oh, well, sure, we'll stop in there. <laughs> so uh, we're 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 getting closer to the you know kind of the end of the time here. You know, we try to have to wrap the show up at some point. I wonder, I guess I want to throw out an opportunity for, um, each of you, if you have anything else that we haven't covered, you want to, you want to mention to this audience, uh, about the, the movie, other projects you've got, uh, anything else, Jessica, that you're, that you're working on. I, I I'm sure there's other things, but if you, if you don't have anything else, that's fine. But if you guys want to kind of talk about anything else that we may have missed, um, that'd be great if you want, or maybe not.
5: Um, I think covered you covered a lot. I, cool. I, go ahead.
1: No, go. No, go.
5: I'm just saying I, I'm a speaker, and if anyone does need a, a speaker for an event, please feel free to contact me at jessicacox.com.
1: Great. And I assume you're also, I, I see on your site, they can go there, and you're on you're on every social media option, so people can also follow you on the normal locations there. Yes. Cool. And Nick, anything, any, is there a way we can, people, people can reach you or read more about what you're working on?
4: Well, I, I think the best thing to do is just to visit the right footed movie.com website or Jessica's website and follow the film. We certainly, uh, would love to have members of the aviation community showing up and supporting us at the festivals that we're in. And, you know, getting the word out about an independent film like this one, um, is difficult. Hmm. And, uh, no matter what you do, there's always more people you could reach. And with Mm -hmm. this film, our whole emphasis has been about telling people about it. And uh, we're going to rely, I think, a lot on word of mouth to spread the news about this movie. So, um, you know, please do share it and, Mm -hmm. uh, and, and visit these websites and look at some of the you can certainly see the trailer for the movie and share it on Facebook and and in other ways. And so, um, that's, that's really what I have to say.
1: Cool. Awesome.
3: (laughs) Well, Nick, what, what you've done with Jessica's story, I, I think was art and Jessica, you are, uh, beyond amazing. And because, because of what I saw at Oshkosh, I know I'm going to, uh, Be careful of what I say and make sure those two certain words don't uh, escape my mouth ever again. So I I really appreciate you guys being on with us tonight. And I really look forward to seeing uh, the success and how many other people you inspire with Right Footed.
1: Yeah. thank you yeah thanks thanks you guys thanks to, to, to Nick and Jessica for being here and uh, definitely check out their websites and, and uh, I, I like uh, Nick's idea of you know you you guys know how to grab the links to those videos and repost them on social media and that'll do that'll do a lot you know because as that ripples around uh, it, it ripples a long way and that's how they, we can help them reach people so um Uh, So thanks. Definitely. Thanks for being here, guys. And uh, I guess I'll just sign off for now. Next uh, time we're going to Carl will be back. I'm not sure what members of the team will will be here, but as many as we can round up. Um, So for Tom and Victoria, this is Rick Felty uh, signing off uh, for Stuck Mike Abcast, episode number 103. Thanks a lot, everybody.
0: You've been listening to the Stuck Mike Abcast.